The sermon this morning is entitled, Living Water or Broken Cisterns. And I want to uh, start by uh, calling you all to think about how much you use water. I'm quite sure everyone this morning used some water. We get up, we fix our hair, we need water, wash our face and whatever, uh, getting ready for the day. Hopefully you all last night or uh, this morning had a bath and you're washing yourself, you need water, and uh, you go to uh, cook, those women who cook in, in the kitchen, we all have running water. Turn on the water. It's it's used all throughout the day. We get drinks throughout the day at our house and ice in the in the uh, fridge and the freezer. But do you ever stop and think about maybe the children? I should ask you if any of you think about where your water came from. Where was the source? Now, those of you who live outside of town have wells, I'm assuming you all have wells, and so you tap into a stream below the ground, and uh, through pumps and electricity, we can uh, have water supply all the time, a pressure tank that's calling for water all throughout the day, we don't even think about it, water is there, and for us who live in town, if you ever get up to Raven Run, uh, you see that huge reservoir and that flows into town through the nice old pipes that we have in underground in town here but that reservoir is supplying us with water and what a blessing it is try to think about those who live uh, without water and have to carry their water and how life would be or living in an area where there is no water, and uh, what kind of property value you would place on a property that has water and a water supply versus one that doesn't. And uh, that's what we saw when we were in Israel. We saw a lot of that and pictures of uh, water aqueducts that were built out of stone in Caesarea, Herod the Great built a huge water aqueduct to pipe water into the town. It's still there today. Amazing uh, water aqueducts. And we saw cisterns as well, where uh, cisterns were dug by hand out of solid rock and then plastered so they would hold water. So you, uh, you stood in amazement as you looked at these cisterns that were carved out of solid rock. And water, it was to, to uh, hold the water and to have drinking water and water to use. We saw several cisterns that were, uh, were there. And when cisterns uh, began to leak, they created a desperate situation for people who depended on it for water. Cistern water was not like fresh water, flowing water. It was uh, sometimes stale and dirty and animals would get in and whatever. So cistern water was good and and better than nothing. But when you had 
uh, access to a fresh spring of water. You had fresh living water. We saw one of those sites in Engedi. It's worthwhile uh, seeing, and I'll, I didn't have time to put together a PowerPoint to show you pictures of Engedi. But Engedi is uh, in the Jordan Valley, close to the Dead Sea, and it's in a desert area. And uh, you can choose several different paths as you walk uh, to this spring. In the middle of Engedi, there's a refreshing spring that you'll never forget if you get to go to Engedi. So you can choose a path that takes 30 minutes or you can choose a path to walk through the desert that takes you an hour. Or you can choose a path that takes you all day and you can pack four bottles of water and go walking through the desert for a day to have that experience where you walk through the desert and you're dry in a dry and a thirsty land and you're feeling that and finally you get to this amazing spring of water at at Engedi. And you park there for a while and it's just shaded and just refreshing and fresh living water at Engedi. That's what uh, I picture in Psalm 63, 1. David says, God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and a thirsty land where no water is. And David spent time in in the desert. We did some hikes uh, like that as well in the wilderness when we started. Our tour guide would say, now minimum, I would advise you all minimum pack four bottles of water minimum. Now this is going to be hard and it's going to be difficult and there's times when we carried some people out. We're into this together, we're all going in together, but if you want to be safe, pack five bottles of water. This is going to be hard, it's going to be tough, it's going to be difficult, there's going to be no water. So I thought about it a little bit before I started on that. Some of them didn't go along. We were in the 50s and uh, one... Uh, two of them, I think, stayed back. We're in this together. But my, it left an impression upon me. Uh, we, we take for granted water every day. We go to the spigot and turn on water. But uh, in the Bible, Jeremiah, we're going to look at Jeremiah for the text. Jeremiah uses an analogy of a fresh spring, a fountain of living water, which describes God. And broken cisterns. And I want to take you to the text now, uh, where we're going to read this verse and draw from it. Jeremiah chapter 2. Turn in your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. And this setting and context is, uh, Jeremiah the prophet was called to prophesy and, and uh, warn Judah of their sin and their backslidden state. And he says this in verse 13, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, God, the fountain of living waters, and hewn out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Now this is an analogy that uh, they understood very well, but what was really what uh, Jeremiah was telling them to think about their spiritual condition. Jeremiah's call was, uh, he was called from his mother's womb. He was called to be a prophet. And the Lord said in chapter 1 that I'm going to put my words in your mouth. And he touched his mouth and he said, 
my words are going to burn in your mouth like fire and you're to go to the Judah and you're to warn them of their sins and prophesy against them. And we're going to look at some of the things that Jeremiah had to say. He said, no, not me. And God touched his mouth. I've, I read that. I'm like, praise God. That's what I want. God touching your mouth and putting his words in your mouth and you're called to declare the message of God to the people. And this is what uh, he had to say to them. He said, uh, they are like the ones that have experienced in Gedi, the fresh fountain of living water. God himself had, had uh, worked in their lives and led them out of Egypt and through the wilderness and into the promised land. He gave them everything. It was like a fountain of living water. They had it before them every day. And God was there supplying for their needs. And they, they turned away from this wonderful fresh supply of water to carve out cisterns going back to dry, stale water. Who would ever think about doing that if you had a chance to sit at Engedi and experience that? And that is what God wants to do in each of our lives. He wants to supply every need that we have and whatever we go through he is there to provide strength and power and grace and mercy and peace he is like this fresh stream of water spiritually bringing to us life bringing to us peace and bringing to us strength and power and everything we need and the hewn cisterns are describing the world and sin and idolatry, and we're going to look at uh, what all he calls out in their life and their experience and what they went back to and how God felt about it. So the two evils were, first of all, they forsook God, the fountain of life and light and prosperity and happiness and joy and all of that that comes through God. They forsook that and turned their back on that. And they turned to cisterns, broken cisterns that leaked. So as water came in, it was leaking and it was just uh, streams of water that were flowing through and it never provided for them. And that's where they were at. And God was bringing judgment uh, to Judah for their sins and idolatry. Jeremiah 1.16, we have the prophecy and the judgment that was to come. In Jeremiah 1.16, it says, God says, I will utter my judgments against thee, touching all their wickedness. Who have forsook me and have burned incense unto other gods and worshipped the works of their own hands. To sum them up in a nutshell, that's really where they were at in their lives. God's judgment was coming and uh, also the prophet, and he was called to point out their sins and reveal all these broken cisterns in their lives and call them to repent and come back to the fountain of living water, and to experience uh, God again. And you see that uh, that did happen where God brought judgment and they did repent and come back. And you see this pattern of uh, falling away and backsliding and turning to idolatry and God bringing judgment. And, and then they repented and turned back. So they... They went back and forth to the fountain of living water, to the broken cisterns, to the fountain of living water, to the broken cisterns. 
And really, we look at their experience and we say, wow, how could they ever do that? But I want to have all of us together think about how do we do that in our own lives. And I want to think about us to think about together. Are we drinking from the fountain of living water and experiencing life in Christ and really that uh, presence of God in our lives in that way? Or are we turning to broken cisterns of worldly streams, carving out our own cisterns and going through life ourselves? As we look at Israel's experience, I want us to put ourselves and our own lives into... Uh, this challenge as well. And think about your experience and, and our own experience together. So I have two points, the fountain of living water and broken cisterns. Starting with the fountain of living water, Israel drank from the rock. We we. Looked at that in our Sunday school lesson last week. They drank water from the rock. And I read that this, this morning again and how amazing and, and what an experience that would have been to go into the wilderness where there is no water and walk around in, in uh, the wilderness and then to have a miraculous experience where Moses, your leader, strikes a rock and water came out of the rock. And they drank after bitter water and after thirst and all of that. But, but God provided for them. And, and it says in Corinthians that that rock was Christ. So there is a spiritual analogy there that that was a type of Christ. And that is to be our experience. That is what is provided for us. Water from the rock is what we need. We need this uh, spiritual life and God wants to give it. Secondly, in Numbers 20, Moses was to uh, speak to the rock the second time, and he, in anger, he said, Here now, ye rebels, we must fetch you water out of this rock. And he struck the rock again, and in his anger, I think I would have been tempted to get a little angry, too, with this group of stubborn people. Israel, or they were not—they were not an easy group to lead. So Moses broke the the tight there. He was to speak to the rock, but they did have that experience. The rock followed them, and they had their uh, needs met. So water from the rock came out in sufficient supply for all their cattle, and all the people drank from the rock and had their needs met. And I think that uh, is a picture of this fountain of living water that that uh, God supplies for us spiritually. And then the other account that I uh, love is John chapter 4 where Jesus was walking through Samaria, Samaria. And he sat down by a well. Now Jesus, knowing all things, he uh, was tired and hungry. He was in ministry and he sat down by a well. And a Samaritan woman came along 
And the Jews and the Samaritans didn't have dealings one with another and they didn't like each other. The Jews despised the Samaritans and, and they felt this wall between them. So this Samaritan woman came by and Jesus was sitting on the well that she was coming to to draw water. So Jesus entered into a conversation and he began with a physical and always moved the, the conversation to the spiritual. And I like that. Uh, about the story. I think we can learn lessons from that in our own daily experiences to, uh, to have conversations with people and enter into conversations starting with the physical and ending up with the spiritual. I love the way this conversation goes. But Jesus, as she's coming to the well, Jesus says, give me a drink. I'd like a drink. And she was surprised. He knew, uh, all things that the Samaritans uh, felt this wall between the Jews, and she was surprised, first of all, that a Jew would, would ask of a Samaritan for water. This was not right. So she was considering what, what he was up to with this. And Jesus said, give me a drink. So the woman responds, how is it you're a Jew and you're asking a Samaritan for a drink? So she was touched by uh, his love and acceptance of her as a Samaritan. How is this? What is this that uh, you are asking a Samaritan for a drink? And Jesus responds, if you only knew the gift of God. So now he's moving into the spiritual. First, he's asking for a drink of physical water from the well. And then he says, if you only knew, Jesus responds, if you only knew the gift of God and who I am, you wouldn't be asking for physical water, you would be asking for living water. And the woman, again, responds in the physical, and she says, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. How are you ever going to get water? You have no provisions to get down to reach the water, and you're offering me living water. So Jesus said, in response to that, whoever drinks this water is going to thirst again. Well, water, you're going to need to come back again and again and again for this water. But the water that I give will be like a well of water springing up inside of you that never runs dry. You'll never thirst again. When you drink the water that I'm offering you, it'll be like a well of water springing up inside of you, always there, flowing. And she said, give me, give me some of this water. I want some of this water. Some water that if I drink it, I'll never thirst again. Somebody gave me a cup of water here and I'll... Praise the Lord. The water that Jesus offers is spiritual life. And she said, I want some of this water. And this is the next response that Jesus said, go call your husband. So he points to her sin. And before you can have the living water, you need to get rid of the broken cisterns and the sinful patterns of living. Whatever whatever it is in your life that would be a broken cistern or sinful living. And for her, 
She had five husbands. She said, I don't have a husband, the one I'm with. I had five husbands, and the one I'm with is not my husband. So she was drinking from the earthly streams of adultery and fornication. And she was not experiencing true love and true joy. She was running from one man to another man to another man. And Jesus said, go bring your husband. And now... Uh, Jesus revealed her sin, her broken cistern. And I believe that's what uh, God will do in our lives as well. Whenever we have a broken cistern or a worldly stream or or sinful patterns of living that uh, we are going to, the Holy Spirit uh, uncovers that. And, and I believe that's what we all have to deal with and think about what it might be in our lives that we go to instead of the fountain of living water. What are some of the broken cisterns that we will look at next? So the living water is, uh, the invitation is to come for all is to come. Isaiah 55, Ho, everyone that thirsts, come to the waters. He that hath no money, come and buy. Come and eat, buy wine without money and without price. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread and labor for that which satisfieth not? So come to the waters. That is available for everyone. The waters are satisfying and God wants to supply our needs. He is described in Jeremiah as a fountain of living water, fresh flowing water that we can connect to. And God wants us to experience this. So Israel experienced this fountain of living water, God's provision in their life, and turned back to idols and turned away from it, carving out their own cisterns and and falling into idolatry and sin. I want us to think in the second point about broken cisterns. Lest we be too hard on Israel, let's think about our own experience and where the church is at today and what would Jeremiah or the prophet say today to the church uh, today. Where are we at? I'm not talking about only this church, but the church in general. It's safe to to do that. and and, uh, But I want this also to be a challenge to each one of us as we think about our own lives and where do we go when we're stressed and where do we go when we find difficulty and where do we go when we find financial struggles or relationship uh, struggles or whatever it is in our lives that are struggle we struggle with, where do we go and how do we start every day and And just think about some of those things, whether we are really coming to the fountain of living water and experiencing God and his uh, spiritual life as he wants to give it to us. The first one, broken cistern, is idolatry. And this is... uh, Primarily was Israel's problem... But I think this reaches into all other broken cisterns as well. Whenever we turn to other uh, gods or other things in our lives, we are forsaking the fountain of living water and creating our own 
cisterns, our own way of dealing with life, our own way of of uh, fighting against temptation and sin, and our own way of of dealing with with everything else. And we go to these these gods. Israel in Jeremiah two eleven. If you have your Bibles open there, two eleven it says, "Hath a nation changed their gods, which are yet no gods? But my people have changed their glory." For that which doth not profit. Be astonished at this, O heavens, at this, and be horribly afraid. Be ye very desolate, saith the Lord, for my people have committed two evils. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and hewn out cisterns, broken cisterns. So verse 11 says, has a nation changed God's? And Jeremiah 2.5, it says, uh, Thus saith the Lord, What iniquity have your fathers found in me, that they have, are gone from me and have walked after vanity and become vain? So God is saying to them, What injustice can you find? Where have I failed you? Can you find one area that uh, you can point to where I have not uh, provided for you? And he walks through in chapter 2. Uh, their journey out of Egypt and through the wilderness and into the promised land and God was, was there for them, planted them as a, a vine that, uh, He was looking for fruit from the vine and they turned to other gods. So I believe idols, uh, in our day, I believe idols are very real as well. We have, uh, different idols. I don't believe, uh, we see too much today where people actually bow down to an image or have an actual image. I know some people do have uh, witchcraft and they have things in their homes that they go to and they pray to and they trust in and whatever. But, but I believe a god or an idol can be anything that is worshipped over and above God. So anything can take the place of God in our lives. We can turn to our phones. I think this is a real, real one right here. For myself, I thought about This little object has a lot of connections. And I think we all must just stop and consider this. The phone can, I can get my Bible on here and I can listen to the Word of God. I have good podcasts, a lot of good things that I can do with this phone. And I would really struggle to get away to give it up because I use it so much. But I know that this phone is an idol to many people. And so I'm laying that out before us. This is, this can be a broken cistern. That we go to. Uh, our wallets. I'm just pointing out the things that the Lord really laid upon my heart in my own life. Now this phone does not need to be an idol, but it can be an idol. My wallet does not need to be an idol, but it can be an idol. And our materialism and things, things uh, like that, that... I would like you to just think about every area of your life and uh, the biggest question I think we can come to, is it an idol 
You can ask yourself, how do you start every day? Where do you go to start your day? And how do you end each day? I mean, that's very revealing. The first thing you think about when you wake up and uh, the last thing you think about. and Start your day with God and end your day with God and live your life every, all the time for God. That's what he wants. And I did already mention, where do we go when we're stressed? When we face uh, setbacks in our life, financial difficulties, or, or whatever it is. First John 5.21, it says, little, my little children, keep yourself from idols. So let's guard our hearts from, from idols. The second one that uh, he mentions in Israel, I thought he was a bit hard on them. As I read through Jeremiah, and I'm going through Jeremiah a couple times, I do that. Sometimes I park in a book and I just go over and over and over again. The book of Jeremiah and uh, sermons come out of that. That's what happened here. But but he uh, says they had a real problem with lust. He called them well-fed, lusty horses. And I'm reading through that, I'm thinking, hmm, I, I would struggle to, to tell people that they're, they're described as well-fed, lusty horses. They're neighing after their neighbor's wives. And they're so filled with lust. They're sitting down under the trees and playing the harlot and they're just not able to experience, uh, purity. In their marriages and Jeremiah 2.20 it says for of old time I have broken thy yoke and burst thy bands and thou saidest I will not transgress when upon every high hill and under every green tree thou wanderest playing the harlot. In Jeremiah 5.8 they were as fed horses in the morning everyone neighing after his his neighbor's wife. Many other scriptures would, uh, in Jeremiah would reveal that they had serious problems with lust. Fornication and adultery were, were very real in Judah at this time. Marriages today in the church are in trouble. I'm not talking about our church, but the church at large, uh, Marriages in the church today last no longer than in the world. So the church follows the world. Divorce and remarriage are accepted in many churches today. And fornication is common ground. But I think the one that hits us home very close, the church today, is is pornography is hitting every church. And some estimates are over 50% of the people in the church are addicted to pornography. And that's just uh, an estimate that I hear. I didn't do any any uh, surveys or anything like that. But uh, it is a real broken system. And it is something that is hitting us fair and square today. I believe the prophets of today need to warn the church. We need to be real about this and, and just uh, be open and accountable and make sure that we are committed to staying away 
from the streams of Hollywood, YouTube, and all the resources that you can get right now on the phone. And so I think it's good for us to just stop and think about that. Is this a broken cistern in our life? What would God say of our church today? The next one is uh, greed. In Jeremiah 6.13, this is said of, of them, for from the least of them even to the greatest of them, everyone is given to covetousness. And from the prophet even unto the priest, everyone deals falsely. Everyone is given over to covetous and greed and just wanting to, uh, to take advantage of people. And this is the situation in Judah. This goes along with uh, my last sermon on, on contentment, and I believe that is something that uh, is a God in America as well, uh, as well is materialism. We are living in the midst and have lived in the midst of prosperity, which is not wrong. And I think we all need to look at our lives and and, uh, how much is enough. And and this is real for us. I've experienced this as well. And and we uh, can use our our uh, wealth to bless the church, but we can also allow it to become a God. And so I I think we must be careful that we do not judge one another, but let this be a, a real challenge. When we have things taken away or have to deal with less, how do we respond to that? And can we really say, as Paul said, I've learned contentment, whatever state I'm in. I've learned how to live with plenty, and I've learned how to live with... Uh, Need, and he's, he said he learned contentment. Jesus said, You cannot serve God and money. So if we live and we're prospering, I, I uh, do not take the position that that's wrong, but we need to guard against materialism and uh, make sure we're giving generously and all the things that we mentioned in the last sermon. So in conclusion, the great invitation is to come. All Many scriptures we can look at, uh, we have the great invitation to come to the fountain of living waters. Jesus in John 7, 37, the last day of the great feast, Jesus stood up and he cried. He cried out, he stood up and he cried out and he said, if any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. And I think that's the hard cry of God for everyone, just to come to the fountain and, and make sure we do not build these uh, cisterns of our own, worldly cisterns that cannot hold water and do not supply our needs and do not provide for us peace, joy, and love and all the things that God wants to give. So. Jesus said, if you come and drink, he that believeth on me, as the scripture said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. I love that scripture. If we come to him and we believe on him, he'll come into us and provide for ourselves. But not only that, he'll be inside of us as a well of living water and flowing out rivers. Not just a trickle and not just a splash. But he says, a river 
And I believe it. That's really what God wants. Revelation 22, 1, he says, He showed me a pure river of life, river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, on either side of the river, was the tree of life, which bare twelve manners of fruits, yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations. The Spirit and the bride say, come. Come to it. Today, and I believe there we have a picture of the new Jerusalem we're going to have an experience, not an Engedi, much better than that, out of the throne of God flowing a pure river, <laughs> clear as crystal. Ah, it's good. And, and I want to encourage everyone to experience that. And, and also I want to Encourage us all to guard our lives against the broken cisterns of our day. If God has shown you a cistern, a broken cistern in your life, turn away from it. And let's be honest and open about it and come to the fountain of living water. Jeremiah said, and I want to close in Jeremiah chapter 3, 12 and 13, we see a picture of God even for Israel, and I believe it is for us today as well. We have the great invitation to come. And if we have a broken system we're going to, this is what we do about it. Jeremiah 3.12. It says, Go and proclaim these words to the nor- toward the north, and say, Return thou black backsliding Israel, saith the Lord, and I will not cause mine anger to fall upon you. For I am merciful, saith the Lord, and I will not keep anger forever. Only acknowledge thine iniquity, that thou... Has transgressed against the Lord thy God and has scattered thy ways to the strangers under every green tree. And ye have not obeyed my voice, saith the Lord. Turn, O backsliding children, saith the Lord. I believe that's the same for us today. We have a merciful, loving God. And when the voice of God comes to us, I believe it's the same today. Come and turn away. From the broken cisterns, the worldly streams, our own ways of dealing with life, and come to the Lord and believe in Him and let Him take control of your life and, and keep your heart and life from idols and experience the living fountain of water. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, thank you for the text that uh, we can read from Jeremiah, the hard cry against Judah, backslidden, idolatrous nation that had walked away from God and turned to sinful patterns of living which are described as broken cisterns that are leaking and not providing, and the merciful call to come back and Restore and heal. I pray that each one of us this morning would, would take that warning very serious, seriously and examine uh, where we're going and, and what our experience is in our Christian life. I pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.